This is week 12 in training evaluation. And we're continuing to wind down. The learning objectives for this week is explain why evaluation is important. Identify and choose outcomes to evaluate a training program. What's the appropriate uh, items to evaluate? Discuss the process used to plan and implement a good evaluation program. Discuss the strengths and weaknesses of different evaluation design. Choose the appropriate evaluation design based on the characteristics of the company and the importance of the training or the purpose of the training, because that's a key component. Conduct a cost-benefit analysis for the training program. Explain the role of big data, workforce, analytics, and dashboards in determining the value of the training practices. This first section is on assessment. And first we're gonna talk about why is evaluation is important and it identifies the program's key strengths and weaknesses. You're assessing what features of the training conducted in context materials. You're identifying which training trainees benefit. You're knowing who benefited and why and how they benefited. You're gonna gather information for marketing training so that you can market, market the course in the future. And you're gonna determine the uh, financial benefits and costs. Key terms that you need to, to think about is training efficiency. That's the benefit derived from the training itself. Training evaluation. That's the process of determining the training effectiveness. Training outcomes measures the evaluation training effectiveness. So not only are not only are you evaluating the process, but you're also evaluating the effectiveness. And then the evaluation design is how data will be collected for the training. So how are you going to do that training? So all of it ties into ways, methods for doing the uh, evaluation and the, determining the effectiveness of it. Formative evaluations. There's two types of evaluation formats we're going to talk about, formulative and summative. Formulative revolves, refers to the evaluation that takes place during the program design. It helps to assure that training is well-organized and runs smooth. It provides information on how to make the program better. What can we do that would improve it? What other types of things, what other kinds of activities should we do? Are the trainees satisfied or not? That's formulative training. Summative evaluation is, did the training provide the desired outcomes? Examine whether the trainees have improved their KSAs and other outcomes, and including the examination of the business apps aspect of the training. So when you think about the whole process that we're going through, we conduct a needs analysis. From the needs analysis, we develop measures, measurable learning objectives, and analyze the transfer of training. We develop outcome measures. What are, we, what are the outcomes that we need to look for? We choose an evaluation strategy, and then we plan and execute the evaluation strategy and, uh, and the evaluation. So again, it's a whole sequence of steps to going through the evaluation process. Kirkpatrick's model of training evaluation is, is broken into five parts. Reaction, learning, cognitive behavior skills, uh, and KSAs, transfer, um, the behavior or skills outcome, is there a transfer that really occurred? The results, 
and then the return on investment. We're going to talk about each one of those as we go through the, the next few minutes. The reaction is, is the training perception of the trainees experience related to the content, facilities, trainers, and methods. It, and this, this is more of a formulative training evaluation, this part of it. Did the trainees like the program? Did the environment help them learn? Was the environment meaningful? Was the, was the materials meaningful? Did it promote what you were trying to get across as a train, train or? Did you cover the topics you wanted to? So these, these are just a few of the types of things from a reaction standpoint. The net promo score, the NPS, refers to the score designed to measure the satisfaction by asking them to rate the likelihood that they're going to recommend the course to appear on a zero to one scale, zero to 10 scale. And this is pretty important. This gives you a, a good indication of how well the training was. Now, the way this works is the number of the scale that the employee chooses is classified into three categories distractors, which is, is things that took away from the course, passive, which is the, the uh, seven and eight on the course, and promoters, which is um, nine and 10 on the scale. So promoters are positives, the, the positive things that came out of the course. The distractors are the things that um, took away from the course, divided by the number of responses times 100. So you, you can very easily see where you're going to come up with a uh, computation number that will amount to giving you a value as the, is, was the training appropriate or we were successful or not. Learning and cognitive outcomes. We keep coming back to cognitive outcomes, and it's a relationship to the familiarity with the information, the, the principles, facts, typical measures via paper and pencil test and self-assessment. So the first part of it is taking tests, taking documentation, whether it's digital or other types, to evaluate the cognitive and learning outcomes. So that's one piece of it. The next piece of it is behavioral, behavior and skill-based outcomes. And it includes learning and transfer. It includes work samples. Often the assessment is by observation or peer evaluations. So that, that's another type of evaluation that occurs. Effective outcomes are attitudes, the employee engagement, motivation to learn, tolerance for diversity. The attitude of interest depends on the training objectives. Effective outcomes often measure is measured via surveys. It's the easiest way to get it across accomplished. The results. Do trainers have an impact or on meaningful business outcomes? Have you been successful in defining, narrowing the, the gap or the needs assessment that you were trying to uh, narrow? Or did you reduce costs? Did the... Uh, have you increased employee re, uh, retention, increased sales, or improved quality? All of these are things that are measurable outcomes that will determine the benefit of the training that you did. The return on investment. So the, the return on investment, and there's a whole video on calculation of return on investment. 
but basically it's the benefit, the value the company gains by the direct cost of the salaries for the employees involved in the training, the program materials, facilities and training, and then the indirect costs, ones that are, are not related directly to the design and the delivery. And then you calculate a return on investment on that. And that gives you a percent to dictate if you were successful or not. Outcomes. There's going to be a couple different sections outcomes that we're going to talk about. Um, and in this case, we're going to talk about relevance, reliability, discrimination, and practicality or practicality. And so these are areas that are ways of measuring outcomes. So relevance is the extent to which training outcomes relate to the learning capability. Um, were you able to, did contamination refers to inclusion of inappropriate or irrelevant, irrelevant outcomes. Were there things that you went over that had, you kind of wasted your time on doing? Were there important information, were there important information that you skipped that you should not have skipped? And so both of these are ways that relate to learning capabilities that emphasize in the program. The next session is reliability, the extent which outcomes can be measured consistently over time. Evaluators are always concerned with consistency over time. What's the, what's the flow? If you have multiple students over multiple sessions, is there a, a consistent methodology that, that is, uh, demonstrates itself or the interpretation over time? That the items don't change, but they're meaning um, in meaning or interpretation over time. So you get good uh, reliability. Discrimination, the extent in which uh, measures performance reflective of true difference. We want to test the discrimination between high and low performance. And those are, those are difficult to do. A test that is too easy may not discriminate. Whereas in this case, both high and low performers would do well and appear good, even though they're not. So we need to figure out what's the right kind of testing between high and low that will demonstrate the, basically the curve of the assessment curve that you're doing. Practicality is the extent to which outcomes can be easily measured and collected. Company often, often claims that this measure is too burdensome and they skip it. They leave it alone because it's, it's difficult to do. If you look at the different types of things that we've talked about, reaction, conduct, uh, cognitive, behaviors, results, ROI, none, then all of these are put on a uh, 100% scale, and you can see the evaluation and are the outcomes. If you look at this, was this a valid outcome for that training session or not? And those are things you need to think about. So when collecting data on all outcomes, um, if you can, it's, it's ideal, but you may not be able to get data on everything. Consider the scope of training and the practical considerations. And do not assume that positive reactions leads to a transfer. You can have positive reactions and they, they don't pick up, they don't catch 
the develop that depth of knowledge or the long-term memory impacts that you would otherwise. So you need to be aware of that and you need to make sure that your data collection is, is aligned in a, in a method <coughs> that will be uh, successful in your, what you're trying to collect and understand. The threats to the validation. Um, internal validation is the believability of the, of the study. External validation is a generalization of the evaluation of the results to the groups and situations. So what I'm what I'm saying here is is the is the internal validation is the does everything the results make sense? If you are doing looking at it from a practical standpoint, were all the results was it believable? Were you were you able to achieve what you wanted to believe or wanted to see, and it makes sense? Whereas the external validation is that the evaluation relates to other groups and situations and didn't necessarily, because it's a generalization, it's at a much higher level. And so the, the threat of validation is tough because you wanna make sure that the information you're getting is right and accurate because you wanna use that information as you go through and evaluate the training course and the success of the individuals. Testing, one of the, the biggest barriers when you're doing training is that your employees are going to be reluctant. They're going to feel that uh, the testing puts them at a distinct disadvantage. There are three ways to controlling the threats of tests. Use a pre-test and post-test, use a control group, and then a random assignment of employees to the control and training group. These are all ways to validate and add, add, continue to add validation to um, the testing and the score results of what you're trying to achieve from the training session itself. Pre-test only or post-test only involves collection of only post-training outcomes. Most cases, trainees will have a similar level of proficiency prior to the training. And it's, it will be strengthened with the control group. What this means is that if it's post-test only, you're going to get, you don't have a way of validating where the students started from. So you just are collecting where they ended up. And by and large, you're gonna have more success or similar levels of, profession, of proficiency when, as to where they ended up. Um, think about uh, some of the, the post-test that you may have gone through. You look at OSHA training. Okay, there is no pre-test, it's all post-test as to what did I get accomplished and what did I learn as I'm going through that exercise, that training exercise. Pre-test, post-test uh, includes or involves collecting both pre and post outcomes. And what you're looking for is measurable KSA increase. Is there a difference between the outcomes between before and after? Can I really validate what the students learned? And will that help, the, help me in designing the training that I'm trying to do? So it's a, it's a KSA uh, measurement uh, validation format in that regard. Pre-test, post-test, post-test with comparison groups. This is the same type of thing, except you're going to have different groups of individuals. You're gonna have a trainee group that's gonna be measuring 
And then you're going to have a control group that you're going to be measuring as well. And, and that pro control group will be ones that already have that knowledge and are aware of what uh, the training was going through or the training group was going through. Um, the, it tends to, the results tend to be better for the training group. Um, and that it's the training, was the training responsible in that regard? Did you achieve the goals and objectives you were trying to achieve? Time series is collecting measures of periodic in intervals. Uh, comparison group can be used. What I've seen happen here is that you do the training, you give them a test directly after that, a post-test. You may have a pre-test, post-test. A week later, you give them a test, similar type of test. And then two or three weeks later, you give them a similar type of test. So what you're doing is referring to or, or reviewing how much of the materials were retained in long-term memory, how much of the materials are able to be applied in, in a routine basis. So this gives you the, the validation of what you need for um, the effectiveness of your training sessions or the trainees. The Solomon Group 4. So it's a combination of pre-test, post-test, comparative groups, um, with other groups. So as you see here, it's a pre-test treatment and post-test. It's a pre-test, no treatment, post-test, no pre-test treatment, post-test, and no pre-test, no treatment, and post-test. So these are all different mixes of testing that is occurring to validate and look at different aspects of the training and what was effective and what was not effective. And that's the sole conclusion of a lot of these that we're talking about is what, what component bears the most significance and what one is allowing for the retention of those materials. When no evaluation may be necessary, and you're going to have that where there's time constraints, you're going to lack, you're going to lack time to do it. The managers or the trainees may not have the expertise to take the test. It's not all bad. Um, to not give a test or to expect little or no return because you're, what you're trying to do is you're setting the stage. In this case, where no evaluation uh, may be necessary is in most cases, you're setting the stage for future training and, and development that will have much more intense training activities or, or assessment activities. When evaluation is a must, it's a requirement. Training is going and has the potential to affect many employees. The expert exists to evaluate it. You have the folks that are there and the ability to evaluate the training. The cost of training is significant. You want to know, are you spending your money for the, the, and being successful and achieving what you want to get accomplished with your trainees? What's the downside of if you're not uh, successful in the training component What's the downside of that? What, uh, where are you going to lose on your return on investment? Where's going to be the, the point of no return, so to speak? And is there sufficient time and interest to do, to do it? You will find some cases where there may not be. So that's something else to look at. Cost-benefit analysis. This is, this is, and there's another video on this as well. Companies want to know if they are gaining an appropriate return on their investment for training. 
Um, and so cost-benefit analysis will allow you to do that. The, um, it, uh, it ties into using appropriate accounting methodology for that analysis for that format. Um, your cost categories are gonna be program development or purchasing, instructional materials, or development of that, equipment and hardware um, that you're using for that. The cost of facilities, if there's a facility cost. Remember, if you're doing it face-to-face, -face, you have a facility cost. Whereas if you're doing an, a digital format or an e-learning format, you may not have a facilities cost. You may not have travel and lodging costs. Um, the salary of the trainer and support staff. And then the most important one that folks tend to forget is the cost of lost production or the cost of replacement workers while trainee, trainees are away is an additional cost, an additional burden the company is having to bear. Determine the benefits. There's a, a variety of ways, uh, literature that summarizes the benefits, the pilot training program, Observing successful job performers, are they improving and asking the trainee and managers for their, their estimates uh, for determining the benefit? These aren't necessarily cost benefits, but these are uh, non-cost but material benefits of the program that you need to think about. Calculating an initial return on investment, you, you have to identify the annual change in outcome. Again, there's a, another video that goes more in depth of this. You put a monetary value on the outcome. You put them, uh, determine the annual change in value. Determine the training cost, which we just talked about. Calculate the benefit and then divide the benefit by the cost. And that way you can get a, your re adequate return on investment. Utility analysis. It's assessing the dollar value of training based on the estimate of different employees, between training and untrained, the number of individuals trained, the length of time of training is expected, and the variability and performance of the untrained group versus the trained group. The utility analysis, the different types of components that are, um, if we spend our money doing this, it's different than a return on investment, but, it, but it's uh, another evaluation of how we can spend our money and the, the bulk of the funds of how we're going through and doing that. Successful cases for concrete examples show how learning led to results. This is testimonial. I, um, I can't emphasize enough that, that having positive testimonials from individuals that have gone through the training are critical. They add credibility and credence to what the training is. They uh, can be used as marketing for getting other folks to go through the training and understand the worth of the training. You can also get a return on expected, uh, expectations, which is a demonstration of key stakeholders that their expectation about the training had been satisfied. Were we successful in doing this? Or our employee, did our employees feel better about their jobs in the company? Because that's a motivation factor. So these are all things that enter into those components in terms of success cases and return on investment. So we're gonna go on and uh, be sure to check out the video on uh, costing. It's more, more in depth on return on investment uh, that I believe is next week. <laughs>